Now I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 14. I am speaking to you this morning about the Holy Spirit's work in you. And I must tell you that this message, as important as it is in its own right, is a preparation for what I want to say tonight. So today we have a two-part series, morning and evening. So encourage you to come out tonight or stay behind for tonight's service. Uh, and if you can't possibly do that, the services will be online by tomorrow. But tonight's message is about the Holy Spirit's work in the world. And you will be amazed when you understand that you are anointed to have an impact on the world. Once they know you're believers, this anointing will hit their life whether you say anything or not. Of course, we want to say, we want to witness, but there is a, a, a revelation concerning how significant you are as a spirit-filled believer in the world, right where you are in your workplace, place of study, your community. But in order for us to understand that, we need to understand, first of all, what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. Later tonight, what he's doing through us, but now, what he's doing in you. And I read these chapters, chapters 14, 15, and 16, uh, again, recently, and I tried to count every aspect of the number of aspects of the work of the Spirit in us. I got to 19, 19 separate and distinct ways that Jesus teaches in these passages, the Holy Spirit is working, not wants to work, but is working in you. I'll summarize them under three headings in a, in a while, but I encourage you to do that. Read these chapters and have a look at how the Holy Spirit works. And don't just read every passage that talks specifically about the Holy Spirit, but the things that are in the context of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Jesus also describes, goes on in your life. John 14, we're going to read verses 15 through 21. Let's read carefully, follow um, in your Bibles, or have a look on the screen behind me. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Let me stop and explain that. When Jesus says, you know him because he's with you, he's talking about himself. He's talking about at that moment, the locus of the work of the Spirit, the focus of the work of the Spirit was in Jesus' life. But he says, that Spirit that is in me and upon me is going to be in you. So he says, you know him for he dwells with you and he, the Spirit, will be with you. Be, be in you. Verse 18. In the consequence of him going away back to the Father, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it 
is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Notice that there is a conditional element here to do with our walk with the Holy Spirit. I'll come back to it at the end of, end of the message, but remember that. The Holy Spirit is a gift. We cannot earn this gift, deserve this gift, but we must respond to this gift, and in that way, we can go deeper in the Spirit and deeper in the kingdom of God, and we can grow as a child of God. I want you to imagine for a moment a newborn baby. I can hear one now. <laughs> you don't have to have a big imagination in Kensington Temple. The staff alone are starting a new sociological phenomenon, the KT baby boom. Jadel, who's working on the state management today, they just had a newborn son. But imagine a newborn baby. That newborn baby is 100% dependent. Dependent for food. Dependent for nutrition. Cleansing. Clothing. Heat. Warmth. 100% dependent on parents and others. Imagine now somebody who suffered a tragic car accident and is left on life support system in hospital, paralyzed, quadriplegic. That person also is 100% dependent. Dependent on the life support system. Dependent on the healing process happening in their body. Dependent on medical and nursing staff. Dependent on whatever pharmacological solutions there are in healing. Totally dependent on other people. I want you to know that you and I are also 100% dependent on the Holy Spirit. Without Him, we can do nothing. Without Him, we could never have come to Christ. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father and uh, comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. And that's how you came to Christ. The Holy Spirit was working in your life. Because without the Holy Spirit, there can be no effective proclamation of the gospel in your heart. In my life, after I became a Christian, I was able to look back and point out a number of times when I heard the gospel, and at least must have heard the gospel. At some, certain times, I can remember something was happening, but only when I came to know what the gospel was that I understand that these people are actually sharing the gospel. But I have really no recollection of its content. And, but there came a day when I heard the gospel as if for the first time. And that was when I was 18 years of age. But the gospel was so clear and it became effective in my heart. It was what we call the effectual call of the Holy Spirit. And so never stop 
praying for people who don't know Christ. Never stop presenting the gospel. Never stop witnessing to them. But it will only be the moment when the Holy Spirit reveals to their heart who Jesus is and what he did and what they must do about it. Only the Holy Spirit can change a heart. We call it being born again. The Holy Spirit brings us a new life. Being a Christian isn't turning over a new leaf, it's receiving a new life. And we're born not according to human deliberation or human understanding, human wisdom. We're born from above. We're born again by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, none of us would ever come to Christ. But we have thanks to him. And if that's true, it is also true that we cannot live for Christ without the Holy Spirit. Indeed, every impulse which is towards God, every desire to read the Bible, every desire to pray, every desire to remember to set your alarm clock when the clocks go forward so you won't be late day. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that we can put a lot of it down to good habits. We discipline and learn, but it's the Holy Spirit that has given us the very mind and desire to do it in the first place. We owe everything, everything to the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you another helper, and this other helper that I'm going to give you is exactly like me. When he says, I'm going to give you another helper, he uses a very special word, at least John translates it. Jesus is probably speaking in Aramaic, but John understands it and, and gives the precise Greek word that shows exactly what Jesus was talking about. So my suit is not a big deal. There are other marks available and other shops available, but this is a couple's suit. I, I found this in France, but there's a lovely shop here in Westfields. And I'm not getting any commission, by the way. Anyway, so if I went in there using this word, I would say, I would like another one, please, another suit. And the word that I use would be so, so precise that the shopkeeper will know he is asking for another suit identical to this one. I could use another word. Uh, I'm wearing this suit, but I want another one. I could use another word that means one like this, but not exactly like this, maybe different color or so. So when Jesus says this second helper is another one, he's saying he is exactly like me. Being God, the Holy Spirit is not just a, an influence or a force or a power. The Holy Spirit is a person, a divine person, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But he is so exactly like Jesus that he can fully represent Jesus in your life and through your life. And he can fully manifest the presence of Jesus so that when the Spirit comes, we can also say that the presence of the Father and the Son is with us by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not with us in a physical body. He is absent from us. He's seated at the Father's right hand. He doesn't come down to earth for a holiday or a long weekend. He sends his Spirit to represent him. So that when the Spirit comes, it, he brings the presence of Jesus. Now, in some of my work in different nations, particularly 
amongst those from the Arab-speaking and Muslim community. Uh, many of those people come to Christ actually as a result of a supernatural dream, vision, and also an appearance of Christ standing before them. Standing before them. And some speak of this as real as if they're looking at you and me. One young person who came to Christ from a Muslim background said, I spoke to Jesus, he spoke to me, he was as real as you are. I could feel him, I could touch him. It was Jesus. Or was it? Did Jesus step off the throne from heaven and say, I'm going to give a physical appearance? The physical appearances of Jesus after the resurrection ended when the time of apostolic witness was satisfied. They were eyewitnesses to his resurrection, but from the moment he left, he has left and he has not returned to this earth and he will not till he comes a second time. Then, then what's happening here? It's the Holy Spirit manifesting the presence of Christ. And that means that when the Spirit is with you, and you are, well, the Spirit is always with you, but when you understand that the Spirit is with you, understand that Jesus himself is with you. He promised, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, and the Holy Spirit is committed to fulfill that promise on behalf of Jesus. Jesus says, you can read it again, he says, John 14, verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. In other words, the Holy Spirit is committed to fulfilling the promise of Jesus and that means the Holy Spirit will never leave you. Not for one second. He is always with you. To do what? Okay, 19 things are summarized under three headings, but to summarize the summary, he's your helper. That's how in this version it's translated. Sometimes it's the advocate, sometimes it's the comforter. That word simply means one who is called alongside you to help you. It's the divine roadside assistance of life that is permanently with you. And it, 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 is, it is so wonderful to know that the Holy Spirit, who is God, who brings us the presence of the Father and the presence of Jesus, is always, not just at hand, but he's within you. This is a supernatural relationship and it's mind-blowing. So, 19 things, see if you can find them, but I'm going to summarize it under three headings. Number one, he manifests Christ to you. That's so precious. He manifests Christ to you. Number two, he is your perfect and permanent companion and guide. Number three, he is your ever present enabler, divine enabler. What a wonderful relationship. Let's go to the first heading, he manifests Christ to you. John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
The first thing the Holy Spirit manifests is the love of the Father and the love of the Son. Paul puts it like this, he says, the, Holy, the love of God has been shed abroad, poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So God's love manifests to you. And the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to show that, manifest it. And I believe, I've listed it first, perhaps the, the priority should have been the presence, but I'll come back to that. But I've listed it first because we need that the most. We need to know that we're not abandoned. My mother and father may abandon me, but the Lord will take me up. Your husband, your wife may forsake you, but the Holy Spirit never. Your brother may betray you, but never the Holy Spirit. And we need to be baptized afresh in the love of God. To know that we are loved by God, not because we deserve it, but because God has put his love upon us. And everything that we do in response to this love shapes our life. There is a healing in that message. And of course, this does flow out of the presence. Nothing can happen without the presence of God. And in this time of refreshing that's coming up this week and, uh, and the season that lies beyond that, our greatest desire, our greatest prayer is that God's manifest presence will be with us. Amen. I'll say that again because I wanted to sink in. We need the manifest presence of God because if we sense the presence of God and know God with us, that's the end of the story, no problem. Everything else is, well, satisfactory. There's no demon in hell that can interfere with that. No sinful tendency can destroy that. No weakness, no bad experience, no setback, no knockback. Nothing can change that. God's presence is everything. And in all of this, it's about glorifying Jesus in verse 14 of chapter 16. He will glorify me. He will take the things of mine and show them to you and he will glorify me. What does this mean? He spotlights Jesus. He spotlights Jesus. So uh, if you have an, an illuminated building and London has many of them, even this building is illuminated so that we have a spotlight on it and people can drive past. We've got all kinds of colors that we can show on that. And it's just beautiful lighting. And uh, without that, then people wouldn't see the building. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He shines on Jesus so you can see him and notice him. And in doing that, it is totally self-effacing. The Holy Spirit does not draw attention to himself. He draws attention to Christ. And that's a very important thing. Everything about the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ in our lives. That's why we need him so much. And in all of this, it's about bringing to us a fellowship, a communion, so that the fellowship that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where there's no jealousy, no competition, total unity, and total other-centeredness. The Father loves the Son. Oh, but the Son loves the Father and the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of love, is so powerful in his giveaway love that he himself is a person. And, and the Father glorifies the Son and the Son glorifies the Father and the Holy Spirit glorifies everything inside. 
This is the wonderful fellowship of unity and, and intimacy and it's the relationship that we have. We're brought into this amazing family of God and it's like a, a, a permanent celebration of joy and blessing and love. Whatever we do, whatever we have, we give it away. Whatever we do, it's for others. And in giving, we receive. It's an amazing relationship in the Holy Trinity, which is now happening in our lives by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle John, when he writes his letter, he says, that which we have seen and heard, that which was from the beginning, we declare to you that you might have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. This means that there is a pattern on earth which reflects the reality in heaven, and that is called the church of Jesus Christ. Don't mess with church. Church is not where you assemble on Sunday. Church is not a supermarket thing. Church is not. Church is a fellowship and a community. Now, we, we, we are scattered throughout the week, but we also gather throughout the week in our cell groups and so on. And, and that means our fellowship continues with the Holy Spirit and with each other because we're brought into this wonderful unity. And it's all, all about intimacy. Intimacy. The Holy Spirit will bring you into an intimate relationship with Jesus. Let me just give you a little example of this. I don't want to claim too much by the story I'm about to, about to say because we, we, many of us might have had strange thoughts this morning. And um, I set my mobile phone and saying, as a non-technological person, this mobile phone will automatically update overnight. It will update overnight. I also set my watch, which is analog, just in case it didn't. But in the mix-up, do you know what? I hadn't set the alarm. But I woke up an hour before that, refreshed. Thank you, Jesus. More Lord, more Lord. And therefore, in the most quiet time, and uh, I began to think about the message, and one of the things that I want, wanted to communicate was friendship with the Holy Spirit. I began to think about what does it mean to be a friend. And then I heard these words, um, either coming from my mind or my, my reflection, but they came to me as if Jesus was speaking to me. And this is what I heard. He said, Colin, I am your friend. Then the question it was, but are you my friend? Now, I know what that meant because I'd been reflecting on this. What this means is that Jesus is your friend. And, you know, he laid his life down for his friends. That's all of us. But friendship is a two-way ticket. It's a two-way street. When he says, are you my friend? In other words, he's saying, do you obey me? In other words, think of Abraham. Abraham was called what? The friend of God. We don't know at which particular point he got that appellation, that, that name. But I can think of good times when he demonstrated it. And that's when he said, take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him here in a place where I will show you. Now, don't be critical of that. This was nothing to do with human sacrifice. But this was everything to do with putting a picture forward of the sacrifice of Jesus that we understand at Easter. 
when God didn't give a reprieve but allowed his only son to be sacrificed, knowing, of course, that because Jesus was who he was, his death would not be the end, but it, there would be a resurrection. And Abraham had this capacity to see way into the future, high into the spiritual realm, to understand that if he obeyed God and sacrificed his son, his only son, the son of the promise, Isaac, then God would have to raise him from the dead. And so Abraham was willing to do that in faith, confident enough that God would do what he promised and that the son would be raised from the dead. But God gave him a reprieve, said, no, you don't have to do it. Now I know that you love me. Now I know that you obey me. Now I know you are my friend. So friendship with God means learning to yield to the Holy Spirit, to do what he says and learning to understand his voice. I'll come to that a little bit later. His voice, so this is the Holy Spirit speaking, and to yield to that spirit, uh, to his voice, and to be in, I don't want to exaggerate, to be in constant communion with the Spirit. As I said it, I know it's not an exaggeration. To be in constant communion with the Spirit. I am communing with the Spirit now. I am praying as I'm preaching. How can you do two things at once? Well, it's the same Holy Spirit. Amen? Because it's about listening to the Holy Spirit as much as it is about talking to God. And so, yes, this intimacy uh, and learning how to be a friend to Jesus, yielding to what he has to say. Then there is this wonderful passage in John 14. I'll just refer to it because it deserves a whole sermon on itself. The greater works. Have you heard this? Greater works than these will, I, will you do because I go to the Father. And that's greater works. These are the signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus did. He has given us to do the same things. We will never do better than Jesus. So it's not greater in terms of quality, but we will do more than Jesus did while he was on this earth because it's greater in quantity. Now, all God's people all over the world, right now in the world today, I guarantee it, can't prove it, but I guarantee that there will be more miracles done in the world today than in any given day in the life of Jesus on this planet. Why? Because Jesus now is in the headquarters in heaven and pouring out his spirit and equipping us to do the signs and wonders and works and miracles that Jesus did, and more than what Jesus did. So now, what this doesn't mean is that you and I can take the matter into our own hands and start to start saying, we'll do this, we'll do that. No, no, everything must be subject to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But let me say this. As you sit here now, as you listen to the sound of my voice, wherever you are, there is, as a believer, an anointing in your life so that within the next 10 minutes, next 10 hours, 10 days, or whenever the Holy Spirit chooses, God could use you to do any miracle that Jesus did on this earth. Now, I say that because I believe, and I'm not the only one, by the way, but I believe that God is preparing the body of Christ for just such a move. 
that as we get closer and closer into what I pray will become full-blown revival that will sweep the nations of the earth, one of the great characteristics of that new awakening of God's Spirit on this earth will be that the greatest miracles will be done not just by the leaders, the platform people, the front page magazine people, but ordinary people. Now, that's, we're all extraordinary, but I think you know what I mean. And I say this again, not to demean this, but actually to emphasize the point. But people we've never heard of, let's say nameless people and even faceless people. I don't mean that they're nameless and faceless, but they are not the people whom everybody knows, whom everybody sees. God will do astonishing miracles, even through, am I exaggerating, help me Holy Spirit, maybe even especially through children. I don't think I'm exaggerating. I, I, I believe that that could well be true. It's so easy to exaggerate in the pulpit. I say that a million times. Oh, you just never got that one. And then linked to that, he goes on to say, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will do it. Ask and you shall receive a joy may be full. He talks about praying in the name of Jesus. That is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, up to now you've asked nothing, but now, me nothing, but now ask in my name. What does that mean? Ask who? Ask the Father in my name. What does it mean? So when Jesus is on this earth, we'd ask Jesus. Jesus, help me. Jesus, come and heal my child. Jesus, go straight to Jesus. Now because Jesus has been given all authority and he's seated in the heavenly places in the place of intercession, we are guaranteed access to the Father in the name of Jesus. In other words, that's the only name that gives you access to God. The only name that unlocks heaven to you. The only name that gives you access to the miraculous supply that comes straight from the Father's heart. It's the name of Jesus. And he was given that place of authority, not while he was on this earth, but that a place of authority belongs to his resurrected, exalted place at the Father's right hand. And how does that operate? It operates through the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes, we know it is the era of the greater work. It is the era of the authority of the name of Jesus. And we do not even begin to understand the authority in the name of Jesus as you are being led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's how he manifests Christ to us. Secondly, he's your perfect companion and guide. Perfect and permanent companion and guide. Now, there may be a bunch of people here whose daily prayer is, God, give me a husband. God, give me a wife. And it's a good thing to pray about. Now, if you're a guy here and you're praying, God, give me a wife, let me say, open your eyes, look around. I would say to you, stop praying and do something, for goodness sake. And the lady said? Yeah. What, what, are, what, are, what are they saying? 
I, 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 I didn't catch that. Were they saying more men? Is that what they said? Oh, amen. Yes, okay, amen. And um, your partner in marriage is, humanly speaking, the closest companion you will ever have. There are other companions and fellowship, but that's the one. Now, if that's at the highest of human covenant, what I'm about to say is infinitely higher and more important than that. And that is companionship with the Holy Spirit. And we have extensive marriage preparation here in this church, but there is no greater preparation for marriage than getting to know the Holy Spirit. Getting to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you are filled, filled is a word that is to do with satisfaction. If you have a meal and you eat and you are filled, you are satisfied. And if you don't recognize when you are satisfied, you're going to go the next stage and you will become a bit dissatisfied afterwards because you've eaten too much. The Holy Spirit's companionship is the filling of the hole in your life, the vacuum in your life that can be filled with nothing else, no one else, not even your husband and wife. Because then in marriage, from the place of your fullness in God, you have something to give. Only then can you love. Up until that point, you'll want to be married to make you happy. And that does not work. I can tell you from experience, marriage to make you happy does not work. I said from my experience, and now you're saying, oh, what's he talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about, you nosy people. What works is marriage based on us fulfilling the needs of the other person. It's by giving, not by taking. Of course, giving and receiving. But you need to have a healed heart and the Holy Spirit, who is your constant and permanent companion and guide, he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother, closer than a mother, closer than a father, closer than any human relationship at all. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He'll never abandon you. He is always with you and always for you. And as a companion, he has a mission in your life. He is your daily navigator, your leader, your guide, down to the very last detail of your life. I'm working extensively uh, amongst the millennial generation. And we've based this work in Brazil. We have interview after interview. We have programs, television, documentaries that we're building to discover the millennial generation and to understand them and to engage with them for Christ. 
And uh, the obvious thing, which you might be thinking, and other staff members have said to me, that's great for Brazil, but what about here? Can we not do, do it here? And we, we'll try as well. And as I've engaged with this generation, I find that they are looking for guidance. They, they want to know what they should do. They are concerned about direction and guidance, daily guidance. Now, the people I'm talking about don't yet know Christ, aren't turning to their Bibles, but they turn to many, many other methods of trying to find guidance in different things, pseudoscientific things, in the spiritual realms sometimes. And, and it's so easy if you go down that route to be trapped in the demonic. But, the, but I don't see this as a negative. Of course, looking in the wrong places isn't, isn't good. But if there's a desire, and I so want them to know what this book is all about. You get daily guidance from this book, far more detailed, far more specific, and far more accurate and truthful than anything you will get from any source outside of this book. And the spirit who speaks in this book speaks truth, whereas other spirits speak not so true in other places. In fact, untrue. Even the truths are mixed and diluted, so they become untrue. And so the first way that we understand the leading of the Spirit is to understand this book. This book is a God-breathed book. This book is charged with Spirit presence, Holy Spirit presence and power and instruction. Thank you. Pick up the laundry, yes, okay. Because this is a spiritual book. Now, you've got to do some work with it because it's written historically over, and you've got to learn stuff and so forth. And you understand the Old Testament is for Old Testament people, but there are truths in there which apply to us, and we read it with the Holy Spirit. Never, ever read the Bible on your own. Always read it with the Holy Spirit. It's the leading of the Spirit put down. In, in print, but also the Spirit will speak to you, He will guide you, and there are times when, when you need the Spirit and, and the Word of God is designed in such a way as to give you, point you in the right direction, but you need specifics. Let me give you an example. So, the Bible tells us to go into all the world. What, every one of us? All the time? No. The world begins next door. Then it might end to where the Holy Spirit leads you at the ends of the earth. So, to obey the word, go into, into the whole world, and preach the gospel and, and serve me, will need, you need a relationship with the Spirit to show you which nation and when and how. So sometimes the real details, the day-to-day, minute-by-minute details, must come from the Holy Spirit. That's why we need a relationship with the Spirit to hear His voice. I said I'll talk about hearing His voice. First of all, it's in Scripture. And then becoming familiar with that inner leading. And once you've heard that voice once, two or three times at the most, you will recognize it at every time. Just when I call Amanda on the phone, she doesn't say, hello, Amanda speaking, who is this? It's me. Who's that? Me. Who's me? Colin. Colin? Oh, oh, yes. Hello, Colin. Usually, 
she recognises my voice. Sometimes I don't recognise her voice, but she has a telephone voice, which... Um, anyway, never mind about that. <laughs> All right. Journey proves to show that she knows me better than I know her. Anyway, you've got to get to know the Holy Spirit like that. Your navigator. He's also the revealer of truth. And that's what it's all about. So what he speaks to you will be true. If you want your will and the Holy Spirit speaking to you, very often you find he has to correct your thinking, open your heart to truth, and the Holy Spirit is with you. Now then, finally, he's your ever-present ever divine enabler. In John's letter, not the gospel, but the letter, he says to all believers, you have received an anointing from the Holy One. The Holy Spirit is the anointing from the Holy One. That means one of the top things on the agenda, on the top of the agenda of the Spirit is to take us and to lead us into real holiness, which means to make us more like Jesus. And that's not just by saying, hey, I know what you did last Tuesday. Stop it. It's not just by convicting us to the point where we carrying around feeling guilty all the time, we're always more to do, haven't done enough, shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have done that. You can lose the will to live in a week. And that's why most of the people I've spoken to who are no longer in the churches is because of that. And we have made it worse for them because we've become people who mediate condemnation rather than grace. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's an enabling word. When he reveals something to you about the way you should go or wants to correct a path, he doesn't just say no. He gives you the impulse, the impetus, the desire and the ability. Therefore, when, when we, we walk in paths of holiness, I'm trying to find the right word, have not yet quite found it in these messages. It's not effortless holiness. That's not strictly true, although it feels like that because we still have to make moral effort. We still have to be determined and be disciplined and do things because we choose to do them, not because we feel like it. But it is a smooth road. He oils the machinery of our inner life so that when we, it's the most natural outworking of the flow of the Holy Spirit within to love God, to desire the best things that God has for us and the power to do them, the ability to, to surrender to God and to obey God and to love the things that God loves and to shun the things that God hates becomes second nature to you. Correction, it's not Second nature, it actually becomes your first nature, your new nature, your born-again nature. Give Jesus a big praise in the house. <clears throat> Added to that is the perseverance. He makes sure that we make it. There's only one way we know we're going to make it to the end, and that's the Holy Spirit's going to lead us and be with us and patient with us and encourage us. We are going to persevere. And he, at every point, will affirm you I want to emphasize the Holy Spirit's ministry of affirmation. 
Because if you look for affirmation from anybody else outside of the Holy Spirit, you will be disappointed and you will diverge from the path that God has for you. We are not looking for affirmation, not even from one another. Not looking for affirmation, not even from parents or best friends. The only affirmation that counts is the affirmation of the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, we are sure going to need it. Why? John 15, 18 to 20. It's up on the screen. I'm trying to speed along to get some time to pray. So let's, hurry, let's not hurry, but let's follow through. John 15, 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love you as its own. Or the world loves its own. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now Jesus says it's, it's a fact, get over it. And that means with this will be rejection. That's the number one reason why people don't witness at work. Fear and rejection. I've got enough from my mum and dad rejection, I don't want any more from my boss. But when you understand that the Holy Spirit will affirm you, no matter who rejects you, you'll have boldness to witness. Verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours also. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of witness. And when you step out and witness, you will make people sometimes, make people mad before they're glad. And there is something of enmity. The, the world is at enmity with the Spirit. And the world is at enmity with you. And you think, little old me, I didn't even say anything. You don't need to say anything. Just be who you are, a child of God. That's enough. Tonight I'll show you how that works. And there's good news with that. It could be a breakthrough for you. But the Holy Spirit promises to affirm you when everybody else rejects you. And that affirmation should count for everything and other affirmation count for nothing because he is enough. He has set God's seal upon your life. He teaches you to say, Abba, Father, I am a child of God and God's opinion matters and the world may reject you, but if God affirms you, you are happy. We need boldness in that. Now I want to finish. I told you I was coming back to the element of the conditional element. Don't misunderstand me. The Spirit is the gift of God. We don't receive Him because we earn Him or deserve Him. He's God's free gift to every believer. However, if you want to get closer to Him, you have to draw near to Him. If you want more of Him in your life, you have to make way for Him. Surrender to Him. And if you follow his promptings, then he'll give you some more. He'll draw closer to you. And many people can be used in preaching, in all kinds of ministry, but have very little intimacy with God because God blesses their efforts, but personally they're empty. True ministry in the Spirit flows out of a fullness of the experience in your heart. More Holy Spirit. I obey you. Come Holy Spirit. I want you. I want to listen to you. And as Jesus says, if you are, as a believer, 
following the Lord closely, then Jesus will make him closer to you than ever. If you're opening your heart to love him and respond to him, you'll receive more revelation and experience of his love. If you are prepared to deal with the things that prevent intimacy with the Spirit in your life, that's all that fleshly stuff, you're prepared to obey the Spirit, put to death that stuff, you will enjoy an intimacy with the Holy Spirit and a proximity to God. It won't make you this horrible person, but it will make you so, so special. And you will be amazed at the influence that flows from your life. We are to preach the gospel, we are to witness to others verbally, but even before we've said anything, God promises three things are going to flow in power from your life to impact the world. That is tonight's message. It's like a Netflix series, isn't it?